Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... Welcome to the Compassion Capitalist Show. This is Karen Rands. And today's a little bit special because I am bringing back a fan favorite of a podcast dealing with proving your market out when you have an idea for an invention and what do you need to do to validate that idea, validate that invention, get your basics, like the real basics of who's going to buy it, how much do you have to sell, where are you going to market it, where are you going to sell it, how, are you going to be able to manufacture it affordably, all of those things, which is really, really critical that entrepreneurs go through before you even sign up to get into an incubator or an accelerator, before you file a patent, before you take time, energy, money away from your family because you have this idea. And what triggered me to want to do this and replay this particular podcast from 2019, so it's pre-COVID, but I just listened to it and it's all really relevant is because I, I have to tell a little personal story here. My uh, daughter and I were walking around the other morning, one Saturday morning, and by her house, she says, this is up in Atlanta, she says, oh, come look at these little gardens. They're so cute. And and it's got a website on there, and davesavage.com. I'm like, Dave Savage? Could that possibly be the Dave Savage that I've known for 20 years or something like that? And sure enough, it was. And so uh, it was great catching up with him. I want to encourage you. The link is in the show notes. I'll talk about it later in this podcast. Uh, But to go to Dave's website and then look over on the left-hand side and look at gardens. And just amazing the rock sculptures that he's built. Really quite cool. So anyhow, I'm bringing it back. Because uh, it's it's really important. This information is really important if you're an entrepreneur out there thinking about this. And if you're a new investor, of course, now, you know, my do-for-you service for investors that are just starting out is to sort of validate these things and figure out if a company has figured this stuff out, if they got what it takes to actually be able to scale and produce an exit uh, more companies that even get angel money never get to the VC round to scale and reach an exit. And a big part of it is because they don't do their homework like what we're talking about. And the investors love the idea of the product that they're inventing because they could see themselves using it too. But they themselves haven't gone through this level of granular process to validate a market or validate a product in a market. So with that, enjoy your listening to this, and I want to please encourage you, if you find this valuable, rate it five stars, give me a comment, and also share it with someone, because we need to create more wealth through successful entrepreneurism, 
and more investors getting comfortable with investing in entrepreneurs rather than just real estate. And part of it is doing this kind of homework, doing this kind of market validation before you really put time, energy, money, sweat, equity, whatever into it. So here's Karen and Dave. Enjoy. So thank you very much for tuning in to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast radio. Of course, I'm Karen Rands. And I'm really interested. I'm very interested in to hear what my guest has to say today, Dave Savage, because he and I go way back. Probably, I think I probably have known Dave almost as long as I've been working with entrepreneurs. And for a while, he was very active in the Inventors Association of Georgia, and um, was the president of that. And I was active in going up and mentoring entrepreneurs that were getting companies started and, and inventing things and. You know, I have this real passion for innovation and ideas and invention. And there's a sequence to which, you know, you, that you get, have an idea that becomes an invention that you validate, then it can become a company that brings an innovation to market. And that's where the compassionate capitalists that I promote so much starts because there are people that invest time, knowledge, resources, money to bring innovation to the market, create jobs, and create wealth for all those involved. Both uh, Dave and I are compassionate capitalists because we spend a good bit of time uh, helping entrepreneurs figure a lot of that out and volunteering our time, mentoring them to figure out how to get their innovation to the market so that they can change the world with that. So um, I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to introduce Dave here in just a second and let him tell you about his journey to become the expert, how he got involved with inventing, what was his first one and was all about, and then we'll take it from there. So welcome to the show, Dave. How are you doing today? Very good, uh, Karen. I appreciate the work that you do. I think we're both both there to encourage people, but also to give them the big whack upside the head of reality and oftentimes uh, lack of knowledge gives uh, false uh, hope, and so we're there to make sure that they are doing the research and asking the kind of questions they need to ask to uh, make sure that uh, they are on a path that will work for them, their family, and investors. So very good. So tell folks how you got to, um, how you became an inventor. What was your first invention? Well, my, the very first thing when I was selling industrial machine shop tools to industrial distributors, and uh, this is going back, uh, gosh, 30 years, um, the uh, product uh, uh, makers of precision tools gave away to machine shops a wall chart with English and metric and tap and drill sizes, but there wasn't anything with metrics on it and volumes and other kinds of specs. This is well before uh, even computers uh, that made that kind of information readily available. But I was selling these uh, large 30-inch by 42-inch uh, wall charts to uh, Fortune 100 companies. It was amazing. Uh, uh, McDonald Douglas and uh, other large manufacturers would be ordering 10, 20, 30 of these charts at a time. And that was my kind of first exposure to being at the right place at the right time and doing some of the marketing of these things. And uh, as it turned out, after about six months, one person noticed one number was inverted. And uh, that was a, uh, 
a challenge to put uh, uh, little stickers on them. And then I guess the uncle, my uncle who owned the supply house that I worked for, uh, took it over and redid it and covered it and made it in, in color and all the rest. But I've always been a uh, guy who looks at products. Uh, why not this? And so why not that way? And so I began just asking lots of questions about if they're already using a product uh, that has certain value. And if I did create a product that had these features, uh, would they buy it and what price they would buy it at? And how soon they would give up what they've already got. So my learning about asking these questions led me to quash many of the ideas I had, realizing that it's a good idea. Some people would like it, but the amount of product that I have to make uh, to bring down the cost to get them to buy mine instantly uh, wasn't going to work very well. So I saved myself lots of money, lots of aggravation, by not even going down the prototype path. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting about that is the, uh, you know, whenever anybody goes into one of these um, incubators kind of a things that seem to be popping up all over the place, that's a key fundamental element that they look for or they figure try to help an entrepreneur figure out is what is their uh you know the authentic customer right exactly the questions that you asked where it's who's going to buy it why are they going to buy it how much are they willing to pay for it and why are they going to switch from whatever they need to do and any what they're doing right now and even with sometimes you hear entrepreneurs say oh i've got no competition well you always have competition because there's always the status quo However, they're solving the, if they're using a rock to put a stake in the ground and you're going to replace it with a hammer, the hammer has got to be better than the rock, right? And so, you know, even though it's, it might be an, a better invention, if it's easier or, or the point of pain is not there, then the person's not going to switch. So how, if, so give us an example of one of those products that you thought was just really excellent, but the the financial metrics of it just didn't make sense to actually bring it to market. Do you got one of those at the top of your head? I sure do. And so um, I have uh, blood clot issues in my leg, circulation, and uh, every doctor, whether it be for circulation or an injury or after surgery says, keep your leg raised for better blood flow. And I, and I said, well, I, I need something that's a little portable. And I went down to my, so a basement workshop and I had uh, went out and found that I had a little um, uh, camping chair that uh, was essentially a uh, X that opened up with a little fabric on top. Yeah. It was too short and I went down to my local uh, Goodwill and I bought myself a walker, took the uh, legs off the walker and put it on my little camping stool and so I could adjust the height and angle of this little stool. And it worked really great. You know, something that you go into a theater, you go in somebody's house, and you don't want to stick your leg up on somebody's table. And um, so it worked very, very nicely. And so I began looking at, as because of my background, looking at who the wholesalers of, um, it's called Dura, you have to learn the technical term for your industry. And when it comes to canes, walkers, and wheelchairs, that industry terminology is called durable medical equipment. And I uh, began looking at the big wholesalers and realized in their catalogs, they had categories for canes, walkers, and wheelchairs, but there was no category for portable leg raise, leg rest. And uh, part of my uh, knowledge and part of my inquiry to these folks was, well, we, were, we if it went well, 
we would put you in the other section. So people are not looking for uh, leg rest. I don't even know that such a thing exists. I also went around to the stores and the pharmacies that sold things, looking to, well, where would I put, where would my leg rest go if they had one? And, um, and they all seem, as we tell other people who are inventors, in order to put your product on the shelf or on the display, they have to take somebody else out there because that space is already currently sure. filled. Yeah. And, and you have to show them that the profit margins and the turnover rate of your product will be greater than what they've got now. And of course, if there's no, nothing on the market like that, and there's no numbers to justify what you hope to be the, the winning item, you can't convince them, especially since, as in many products, they are buying a package of products to get freight allowances. So even if your product was a better product than what was on the shelf, they are almost obliged to buy the existing product because it's part of a, a promotion, it's part of a freight package, it's part of a overall marketing effort that that company puts into their products. And so it becomes a real challenge. Now, of course, one of the things was that I also talk about with people is how much money would people pay for such a thing if in fact I had one in my in my trunk of my car today. And so you have to work backwards from a perceived value to a knowing the market and manufacturing and all the rest, whether it be you're doing it yourself or having it for licensing, how much does that product have to cost? How many have to be made to derive that cost to make it worthwhile for you and you know, the whole group of people who are involved in making your product uh, successful. And uh, so my product uh, would cost, I went to the Atlanta, they happened to have the uh, durable medical equipment show. Mm -hmm. And I took my little uh, walker around because I knew that there was not enough market for somebody to go steal it. They had to create the market. I said, if such a thing existed, how much do you think it would sell for? It should sell for $29.95 seemed to be the going price. Now, one of the other challenges in this category is that's true of other kinds of equipment. Does it have to be insured? Does it have to be um, medic Medicare approved so that people can then pay for it with their insurance or Medicare allowance? Now, all of a sudden I realized that I get my education up. Well, this thing has to be tested and has to be have liability insurance. It's only a little stool. But how long would it take and who is it that has to that do the testing in order to get a quote from the from the liability insurance companies? Well, all of a sudden, the upfront money and the time, even if I had a great prototype, was going to be like six months and many thousands of dollars just for the different kinds of testing and upfront liability insurance that would be required of any vendor. And all of a sudden, oh, I don't have to have $8,000 for this uh, as upfront. And of course, that number is valuable to know so that if you're going to be talking to a distributor or a licensee who's going to make this thing and they quote you that they're going to give you 2% of the net value of the net sale, you have to realize why they're only giving you that amount because of all these upfront costs. And of course, you have to uh, be a person who's going to give them market validation 
at uh, how many orders, pre-orders can you get on this thing? And of course, I wasn't able to get those numbers. Now, it's interesting going back a little bit in my conversation that um, I went around at this trade show where some of the manufacturers from China who would um, make this thing if I had, if I could get enough pre-orders. And the amount of money they would charge me would be um, $5 a piece on a 2,000 piece order. Well, in order for me to then mark that up and then resell it, the numbers just weren't driving uh, with a profitability uh, for everybody. And uh, so you kind of get dropped because again, I realized that I couldn't make them, I couldn't upfront the money. Um, and regardless of the design, um, it was going to be an uphill battle for an individual. And uh, it would be an uphill battle for anybody who would take on uh, a new product because, again, there is no existing market to say uh, for people to look for. And it wouldn't be in a catalog, it wouldn't be on a shelf, it would be another. Now, that makes an opening for direct sales. And there are catalogs that specialize in things for elders and for the disabled and for uh, people with, uh, uh, with physical limitations. But again, they have a catalog. Their pages are already justified by what they have in the catalog based on profitability. And uh, the minute I come to them and say, I've got something that, I, that you don't have now. And uh, they say, oh, well, um, what, what proof do you have that there's any market? Well, I don't have a proof that there's market. I just know there's lots of people with uh, disabilities. Well, how do you get the market out? So some, in some cases, that you are the uh, marketing arm uh, to a distributor. And sometimes if you're hoping that they will take this on, uh, you have to have some bit, uh, more validation than you can imagine. You can't say everybody will want one. All right. Well, that's a bunch of information in that uh, packed in five minutes or so. So, um, and I remember when you were coming, I think I want to tell folks of you, it should still be available. It's back in what would be considered an oldie, big goldie archives. I remember when Dave was first coming out with that product and or doing that validation that we're talking about. And you were going around, I think you were just about to go to the Atlanta trade show or something, but you were real live. You were going through that process of discovery at that time. And I thought it was um, very insightful, just like I thought with you doing that validation that you went through very methodically through all of the pieces that you've got to figure out that puzzle you have to figure out if you're going to see if this product is going to come to market at all. You know, a lot of times um, we'll have companies that will run off and get, or entrepreneurs will run off and get a patent on something and they don't know if they're going to spend that money, maybe go raise money for it. And they don't know whether the product can be built. They don't know whether anybody wants to buy it. What could it be built for? I mean, you have to have some kind of design and schematic. So like, for example, in using that product, what, how did you figure out what it was going to cost to build it when, I mean, was it, were the Chinese people able to tell you that right there at that trade show? Or did you have to send them some sort of a, of a 3D diagram or a, a CAD design or something like that to figure it out? Um, I was able to, you know, there's all kinds of already in that particular category. There was already a, a, a large number of X-frame camping stools out there. So I just referred, if there was 
an X-frame camping stool with adjustable legs like a uh, walker um, with uh, multiple spring pin adjustable legs, and it would have a um, fabric uh, top to it. Um, and so they were able to, you know, I guess I was looking for general round numbers. But, you know, one of the things I mentioned, and I'll mention again, is um, how many do you have to order uh, in order to get the price point low enough? And so that's one of the big things I'm always um, advocating. It's not, you know, I'm advocating not to go from a cost plus, but from a perceived value um, and uh, discount it down, knowing that this product has to have a manufacturer's rep. Does it have to have a wholesaler in addition? Does it have to have um, much education? Yeah. Um, as the leader of the Inventors Association, we had lots of people who undervalued or underappreciated, especially if it's all new, how much education it took, not only for the customer and for the packaging, but for the, the stores to be able to communicate what it is that you've got. And, um, and so there's all kinds of, of challenges. One of my favorite examples that came through our inventors group was a gentleman who had a product for hanging uh, pictures on the wall uh, more accurately and more easily. Yeah. And uh, he, he got funding for it and he had product. Um, the first, uh, he spent a good chunk of money developing a box and a packaging for it. But he went to, he got to meetings with Michaels and some Hobby Lobby, and immediately they said, this is a horrible color for your product and a horrible packaging. And you go back and redesign the whole thing because on our shelf, it'll be, it'll be the end, because of its length and shape, it'll be the end, the end uh, panel of the thing. Um, and they, get, they said, well, we, in spite of all that, we will give you a test of a number of our stores. And they made out a floor plan to show them where it might go. And uh, the product went in, he invested a good chunk of money to not only have the product made, but to have it shipped to each of these individual stores. And he went into one of the stores asking to see the clerk if, he, if you had such a product. And their answer was, no, they don't have such a product. Well. He had a little schematic where it should be, and he walked down the aisle, and it wasn't where the schematic was, the floor layout was supposed to be, it was somewhere else. So not only, and you know, oh, the other big thing at this at the meeting they had, um, they asked him how many um, stores, um, uh, how many how many units per store that they would he would like to supply them, and they gave him a high number and a low number. And he said, and he picked, well, let, I may not get another chance. Let me pick the higher number of units for each store. Well, that was a fatal mistake because their perception of success was based on turnover per month. And because each store had a good stock, they were uh, not turning over. Yeah. And they were not turning over uh, for reorders. Yeah. And so, you know, so you learned that. The managers didn't know what he had. It was in the wrong location because, and and these when they he showed the clerk, they had no idea it was. They had no uh, no knowledge of how to explain it to the customer. So here's a guy who had product, uh, but he 
wasn't asking the right questions, uh, getting enough to training to know uh, to go into it in these meetings with the stores to uh, make sure he's got his, all his ducks in a row, as I said. Interesting. That is, I mean, and every, see, there's a thing, uh, there was an organization I was uh, active in for a while, and they kept pounding this idea of sequence, you know, and it's like the, the old adage of getting the cart before the horse, right? So a lot of times entrepreneurs or inventors are so enthusiastic about what it is that they have figured out and invented. You know, clearly there was a demand there, but because he wasn't working, he didn't know his market well enough or know the retail market well enough. He didn't um, understand any of that. And so right. he, he basically shot himself in the foot and probably never really recovered from it because, you know, then you get into a situation with your investor reminded giving you some money because they also thought it was a great idea. But because you didn't, you made, uh, the inventor makes poor decisions because of their, they don't know what they don't know and they don't go and ask somebody or pay somebody like yourself to figure that out, they end up wasting. I mean, they would should go to their investor and say, hey, I'm going to do this, but I want to hire this guy so we can be smart about how we go to market and we don't make mistakes. You know, that kind of a thing and be part of what the package is. I, I've had a couple of co things like that. I had this com company that I worked with for a while and he had had a, it was really more of a marketing uh, ploy at initially in the way that he was licensing some characters to go on a consumer, uh, let's just call it a consumer sanitation product without naming names on this thing. And so, um, and he kept talking about wanting to invent this thing. And we were like, and, and, and at the time I was working with him, I'm like, I don't know, I, maybe, whatever. But he was really just, he had an angle that got him in on the shelves or was going to get him in on the shelves and get him a manufacturer, get him all this stuff. So the first mistake he did was he signed up with a advertising organization that had a fixed fee. That's how they could do things cheap for you. But he had a fixed fee and he didn't even have his, his manufacturing contract negotiated. So he started to have a come out of pocket from the get go with this advertising thing that was going to be great where he could have just waited, you know, waited a while and then been able to do it. But then it got him into a hole and, and you know, there was just like one thing after another fast forward three years later, and then he blew it up with the one investor that he was going to have. And then fast forward about three years later, he comes back to me. One, he's, got, he's gotten more money from other people. I don't know who all he got the money from, but he got money from other people. He had, a pro, he had an invention. He had product. He had inventory. He had also developed this other thing, this other product that was not, not the same ads, but was kind of an ansory add-on type of a sale. He had packaging, and it all looked really, really good. It was all his own stuff, so he didn't have a licensing fee. And then come to find out, he had gone out there, and he had gotten it into Amazon. And so he was on Amazon, and I see this with a lot of entrepreneurs. They come to me, and they go, oh, I'm going to make this thing, and I'm going to sell it on Amazon. Like, Amazon, as soon as you get it, build it, and they will come. Like, you've got to market it. It's no different than being on you know, it's worse than being on Home Shopping Network. And it's worse than being in Walmart because there's a gazillion products out there that people have to be looking for your product to know it. And if it's in a new category, like what you're talking about, they don't even know to look for it. And so 
here he was, he had this inventory, probably the same situation where he said, how much can they take? And they wanted to do it. So he used all his money to build as much product as he could. And he put it out there on Amazon and come to find out if you got products sitting there, Amazon charges you an inventory fee. So he was paying more than he was selling out of Amazon every month to be able to have the product there. And then he was trying to do a fire sale on his ancillary thing because he wasn't selling that at all. And just that he was like, and it, it's out in big lots or something now. And so he comes back to me to go get an investor or go get something. And I'd say the best you can do is a lender that's going to be expensive. But if you could get some of these investors that you got or some of your partners to co-sign for you, you can get a lender that you can then get some money to go do your marketing and move that inventory. But no investor is going to invest in this company where you are right now. Maybe when you were first going into Amazon and you had all the potential, but right now you've just shown that you don't know how to manage your delivery of your product or run your business. Why would they want to invest in that? that's a, a ship that's, you know, sailed. It's like, and so, you know, that's a big part of what these, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, if they don't, they, they, I love the enthusiasm when they've got an idea um, and what they want to do. But if they don't do these baby steps that you've outlined, the sequencing of let, let's go through them. So as we get ready to wrap up here. So the first thing is, is to val validate the marketplace right? Is, is there a market for this? Are people looking for it? Is there going to be something that is going to, you know, are people going to want to pay for it? Would you say that was the first thing is figuring out if people are going to want this product and how much they're willing to pay for it? Uh, no, my, my first question is, um, are you looking to build a business? Do you have the skill sets, knowledge, oh. <laughs> resources to yeah. build a business? And, and this is going to be a family of products. Or are you looking to license it to other people? Right. That's so what I was going to, people. yeah, that's where I was going to go with that. Because once you know that there's a product out there to be built, right, that somebody's going to want it, then you, uh, to me, then you get through that process and then you decide, because there is no one hit wonder, you have to, then you figure out you've got something that people want and you can validate it just like you had talked about before that, you know, that are people going to want this and what's your stats, then you could go and license it to a company that, that manufactures similar products. Every bit of information that you need to develop, to, to sell and develop a product yourself is going to be required or asked for from anybody who's licensing the product. You can't be in the back, you know, if somebody came to me and says, Oh, I was a vice president of manufacturing and marketing for one of the biggest uh, distributors of this product. And I know I've already talked to my friends in the, in the, in the stores. They would, they would buy X amount for X amount of dollars. And we all agree that this is the selling price. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a person who's in line uh, to sell a product to a manufacturer. You can't be in the back of the line saying, um, I have no idea what the thing you should sell for. I have no idea how much it costs. I have no idea uh, how to market it, but you should take me. And uh, one of my things that even overwhelmed me was this whole thing of uh, filing for tax reports in every state of the union. Oh my gosh. Just, you know, even if you don't sell, the minute you start signing up for these things, the reports come fast and furious and the accounting and show it certainly the minute you have an employee, then you're uh, in the whole thing of, of, um, of, of income tax and, and payroll tax and all the rest. And uh, 
you better wish, you know, uh, what you wish for is, uh, it may not be uh, what you are prepared to do. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now one of the things that it's in the link, but if you're just listening to this and you haven't seen the, um, uh, the show notes, I want to encourage you guys to anybody listening to go out there and find Dave, go to just real simple. DaveSavage.com is the easiest way. And the show links, we have the whole, whole link for entrepreneurs dash and dash inventors dot html for dash entrepreneurs dash and dash inventors dot html but i think if you go to davesavage.com right dave you can just click right, on just the, the left hand as a whole section many articles many lists and um i love chatting with folks i have hundreds of articles resource lists in most every category of um, consumer goods and um i give you lots of homework to do and a whole bunch of questions to be asking um, I'm not sure how much time you have. If you just say, you know, uh, Garden Tools Association, Garden Tools uh, Conference, or Garden Tools Expo, Garden Tools Association, and all those categories, all of a sudden your list of uh, connections will grow exponentially and give you goals for a time to prepare to talk to different folks. Yeah. I mean, it's look and see, it's got other interviews. You've got 200 plus websites for entrepreneurs and inventors. You've got trade show conferences and links. You got a patent getting process. You got all kinds of things, LinkedIn groups for inventors, invention idea assessment. This is a wealth of information, free resources. Thank you very much, Dave. You are a compassionate capitalist providing these kind of resources and knowledge to the entrepreneurs so they can you know, be smarter, don't work harder, work smarter in getting their product to market, bringing innovation to market, and then ultimately, hopefully getting a company or getting it licensed so that they can create wealth from it for themselves, for their families, for those that are involved. So that's all very good. Anything that we haven't covered that you think is really important for entrepreneurs and, and the investors that are looking at entrepreneurs, you know, I, I always try to make this show something where both entrepreneurs and investors will understand what the best practices are. So when a new, let's just say it's a friends and family person, it's somebody and anybody might be listening to this show, all the things that we've said, they need to make sure that the entrepreneur that has this killer idea has done these things because a killer idea, I see them all the time, but if they don't have a valid market, if they don't have, if they haven't validated that they can actually build it, for a price that people will, that they can make money at and people will pay for it, then it is a non-starter, right? Isn't that pretty much the, the bottom line? Yeah, absolutely. You say, if I had one, you know, what are you using now? What, what problems do you see? And he said, if there was a product that would solve those problems and I had one today, um, would you pay $125 for it? And they say, no, probably not. You say, I need to have, in order to move ahead of my project, and to please my, my spouse and my investors, I need to have a list of names and, and emails of 150 people who would buy it today immediately at, at, at a certain price because I'm, I'm going to take that list and give it to my investor and I'm going to give it to, to show that a distributor and a dealer that I have people who would want it at a profitable price. Now there. I have to go. Mm -hmm. That's now that right there. 
That right there yeah. is a golden nugget. That right there is a golden nugget because you know how many people you think they probably have to talk to to find those 150, 600? It's almost like investors. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I have all kinds of analogies to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been frustrated using this product. And you go to the places where those people are and you say, I'm frustrated with this product or what are you using now? I'm using X. Uh, what do you think of it? It's lousy. I agree. If, if, what features, even before you've designed it, you say, what features and benefits would a new product have to have for you to buy it today? And what price would you pay for those extra features and benefits? You know, certain things like a vacuum cleaner uh, continues to service. They're not going to buy a new vacuum cleaner until the old one breaks. Sporting goods are another matter, or a fishing pole. And you say, regardless of how many tennis rackets somebody's got, if the new one promises to do something wonderful, they'll buy that one and, and use it as well. So you have to know um, how much education it takes to use it uh, and what endorsements and who needs to validate that it's a good idea. You know, in all these products, we're talking about consumer things and not a better jet engine um, propulsion unit. That's another whole category, yeah. industrial, commercial. Right, right. Yeah, and then sometimes, like I, I remember when I was first getting started uh, learning all of this stuff, and I had um, gone to, I was watching, it was back when I, would, I got a, a VC, VHS tape series out of the library. Okay, that shows you how long ago that was. And uh, was, was listening, was watching this whole concept of kind of like going to market. And sometimes, and you see this, sometimes it's a brilliant idea, but that person is just not the one. They don't have the connections. They have no way of figuring out how to actually get it to market. Like I got a guy contacted me not too long ago about a whole new um, exchange, like a stock exchange for uh, companies that are that have had investors for a while like a whole it was a whole different kind of stock exchange you know how much effort it would take and the incumbents of the new york stock exchange and nasdaq this was for you know kind of sort of startups that you know instead of doing uh it was sort of like doing i can't even remember now it was just kind of on the crazy side but it was like you know he had he was brilliant in it but he just was not the guy you have to have serious money serious backing serious players to pull some of that together i'm working with a company right now that's got brilliant product and we're hitting a wall even though it truly will i 100 believe it could change fundamentally change to disrupt the marketplace. But because he doesn't have those 20 customers signed up, ready to go, because of the nature of how he's going to market, it, 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 they, we don't get an automatic entry into the doorway with a, uh, an investor. It is taking heavy lifting effort to get the meetings with the investors because he, he's had it validated, but it was validated. It's not current validation. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's really important. Those things, all those pieces and parts make up the sequence, make up the puzzle that's going to actually get the company to the product to market and the company in the market. So, um, all right. Thank you so very much. Uh, I really do totally appreciate you being on the show today and um, reconnecting with you. It's been a while since we've had an opportunity to talk. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to go out and see Dave, DaveSavage.com, get his information. He's got a bunch of other 
cute little other side, just living life better kind of stuff in there. Good stuff from Dave, so to speak. And of course, you can connect up with me at karenrands.co. And all my information is there. My my book is there. Sign up for my free video tips. And, um, and, and there you have it. So any final words, Dave? Um, Dave, uh, get the support of your family and friends for the amount of time and energy you expect to put into this. Okay? It's a lifestyle issue. And you enjoy uh, going, being involved in the industry your product was in. I had a great idea for a product that would put me in the horse industry, but I had no interest in going to rodeos. So even though the product was a nice idea, uh, the rodeo people weren't my weren't my people. Yeah. <laughs> and so I decided I decided not to uh, pursue that particular thing because I would then be in uh, with an area of of uh, knowledge and passion that wasn't mine as a as a, in my heart. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, thank you for that last other little gold nugget. And so with that, we'll, we'll conclude the show. And I, it's always my send off is onward and upward. Have a great day. Well, that concludes this particular segment of the Compassionate Capitalist show. And I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you will share it with your friends. And I want to encourage you to go to my website, karenrands.co. And if you are an entrepreneur that is just trying to figure some of this stuff out, please go ahead and sign up for the Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Breaks, which are uh, short videos that get sent out every few days, every other week kind of a thing, every week. Uh, that will give you some insights on on how investors think and what they need to do, what you need to do to raise capital and grow your business. But in that, you also get a link to my um, calendar. You can set up an, a, a conversation with me just to talk about things. If you're an investor getting started, I want to encourage you to read my book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing. You can get that at the website. You can go to Amazon, go to InsideSecretsToAngelInvesting.com, and it'll give you all those links. Uh, you can also, uh, you get a free portal, access to the portal with that that gives you your tools for becoming an angel investor. And then as you start to get companies that you're interested in and you're really kind of nervous about how to decide which one is the right one to spend more time on because time is as valuable as money is. You can replace money. You can't replace time. Doing due diligence on a deal before you invest might take 20 hours. Uh, and, you know, but before you spend that 20 hours, you should get some, you know, spend some time. Hire me. Hire my firm to do the evaluation and identify the red flags of whether that company has the ability and that entrepreneur has the ability to succeed. And then we can take it from there on what they need to do in order to be worthy of your money and what they need to do to be able to raise all the money that they need. And all of that information and access to uh, getting uh, an appointment with me is available at karenrands.co. Thank you very much. And of course, onwards and upwards. Make it happen.